0: Scene 6. Sea Biscuits. Chantelpy City on Tuscarora Mountain. Tuesday, terse. Morning, 4th of July, 1284, 3rd of St. Swithin. Laughter and merriment abound among the rangers and the elves. Putting on a show of such grandeur and import has formed a sense of camaraderie among the actors, directors, and producers of the spectacle. Officer Bunsey comes up to Florence. Mademoiselle Umpire-in-Chief-Elect, the Heresiarch summons you. Did he say what he wants? No, but he has ordered his acolytes to prepare the transmogrification ceremony. Florence's heart is heavy. It's easy to be mean and cruel when everyone else has a shovel full of put-downs for you. But here the rangers and the military leagues are all celebrating her. If the Heresiarch wants to transmogrify her into an emotionless undead state, she'll lose all the joy and her free will. She sighs. It's been a great show so far. Perhaps the final curtain call is coming. Officer Bunsey asks, You mean it's time to smash the Crusaders once and for all? Or lose ourselves to the same lust for power that led the Inquisition here? She excuses herself from the feast and heads into the brownie workshop where the Heresiarch has installed himself, transforming the premises into a sort of black flame temple. When she opens the door, the Heresiarch beckons her to approach his throne. She kneels and bows low, saying in the black tongue of Kaldor, "'What is thy bidding, master?' Hooded and creepy, the Heresiarch replies, "'It is time to unleash the full power of the Black Flame. "'The entire Crusade army must be frozen solid at the very stakes where they intended for us to burn alive.' With the destruction of the Crusade, our heresy will spread like wildfire across Vinland. Its cooling flames will give umbrage to generations of minds and spirits who have hitherto been sweltering from the oppression and superstition of the Christian faith. Florence recites words of submission. Reveal to me thy plan, master, and I shall see to it. The heresiarch says, "'The Sword of Laban is now the ultimate power in Vinland. "'I suggest we use it. "'The Crusaders will be coming, hoping to claim the Van C. Estates. "'Order the Human Rangers and your military leagues "'to transmogrify into your faithful thralls. "'When they do, you will order the attacks to begin.' "'Florence looks up. "'I'm confused. "'How can I induce them to accept transmogrification, my master? "'They are lusty men and have a strong love of life.' They know it will drain away all feeling and emotions. The Horeziarch lets out a maniacal laugh. They will have no choice. You will use the Sword of Laban to set all Vancy estates on Blackfire. They will have to transmogrify or perish. Not liking the sound of that plan, Florence points out the obvious flaw and hopes Plan B will not involve annihilating her childhood home. This platform is made entirely of wood, there is not enough metal or stone to set the entire estate on black fire. You forget, my pretty, that a good dousing with oil will make almost any object burn with yellow fire. So, too, soaking the Vansea estates with water will make it dark flammable. Where will we get so much water? Johnny Appleseed is a Christian druid with a miraculous gift for calling down rain. Once the rains have fallen for a short while, you will go through every nook and cranny of these estates that you know so well and set them adark. Florence squirms inside without showing it on the outside. The Reverend Appleseed would never cooperate with such a plan. He will have no choice. One of my most trusted heretics is none other than the last High Inquisitor, whom I told you not to assassinate. He has used his position to convince the feeble-minded crusaders to set Chantelpiece City on fire from below. Ridiculous, snaps back Florence. Sequoias are immune to fire. We are sitting in the colony's only sycamore grove. Sycamores will burn with enough kindling. You have already ordered the elves to cut off access to Thor's base because you didn't trust the rangers. When the crusaders' fire threatens to engulf fancy estates, Appleseed will have no choice but to call down rain from the heavens. They will all come to you begging for an escape, and you will transmogrify them into thralls, perfectly submissive to my bidding." Already tasting complete triumph on his wormy tongue, the heresiarch cackles Go and see to my plan. Florence walks out of the Black Flame Temple, feeling rather downtrodden. When she first met the heresiarch, it sounded like using the Sword of Laban would put insane amounts of power into her own hands. It hasn't. Now the heresiarch wants her to destroy her own home, betray her friends and allies, and submit them all to his will, not hers. At the bottom of it all, she really hates the person she has become. She thought that she could fix her problems by getting a little more assertive and pushing back on all the bullies. Now she is the big bad bully that everyone hates, and she still has no more control over her problems than she did before. Slouching around under the weight of these thoughts, the first elf she happens upon is her fiancé, Nganyon. For as pathetic as he can be at times, she's still glad she hasn't executed him. So far. Feeling like a champion from his rousing performance in the staged fight, N'Ganyan spots her from a distance and comes over to cheer her up. Hey there, my beautiful dove. What's got you down? She snaps at him. Doves are white. I'm a dark elf. Couldn't you have thought of a better metaphor? N'Ganyan takes it in stride and says, Always eager to please, my beautiful raven. Ravens make a horrible cackling noise. Ingenion is puzzled but does not give up my sweetly singing nightingale nightingales never sing when you need to hear their songs the most never say never darling whatever i need to speak to the madame dean of the league of nations immediately he holds out his arm and says gallantly then at least permit me to escort you to her out of alignment Together, they walk toward the storage room where Dungaree Jean has set up her headquarters for her budding League of Nations. And Ganyan has figured out by now that saying anything is only going to make things worse, so he just holds her and hopes that supporting her physically will help her feel supported emotionally. When Florence enters inside, everyone comes to attention and salutes her. Dungaree Jean welcomes her, saying in runic, Mademoiselle Umpire and Chief Elect, you bring light to this place. Hearing the formulaic Fire Elf greeting, Florence breaks down sobbing. Her orders are to engulf this place in darkness. When she recovers from her fit of weeping, she reveals to Dungaree Jean the heresiarch's plan to force them all to transmogrify into undead thralls. A woman of action, Dungaree Jean gets up and immediately rushes out with Florence to warn Johnny Appleseed not to pray for rain but the raindrops are already falling she smells the smoke and runs over to the ledge of the platform down below she sees the huge crusader bonfires burning around the trunks of the sycamore trees holding up vancey estates it is worse than she expected the heresiarch's plan is already in full motion she anxiously asks around for johnny appleseed and they point her to the far end of vancey estates she shouts reverend appleseed can you stop it from raining he looks at her exhausted and says "'I just prayed for rain to put out the Crusaders' fires. "'The Heresiarch is going to use the rain to set all of Vancy Estates on Blackfire. "'You must stop the rain immediately!' Johnny Appleseed shakes his head and says, "'It's not up to me. "'God performs the miracles, but I must prepare to invoke his holy name with prayer and fasting. "'I've prayed and fasted to the edge of my endurance. "'The bonfires are already raging below. "'Without the rain, the whole platform had come tumbling down in short order anyway.' I suggest we stop the Heresiarch before he sets the Blackfires. Jean exclaims, That's the whole problem. He wanted Mademoiselle Florence to do it for him with the Sword of Laban. She wants to give it to me for safekeeping, but I don't trust myself with that kind of power. Could you hold on to it for us? Johnny Appleseed backs away. No, druids aligned to goodness shouldn't even be touching an artifact of such evil. We need someone whose alignment is chaotic enough to hold it, and yet whose moral character is somehow selfless enough to use it for good. Veins bloat on Florence's temples and neck as the internal struggle with the sword of Laban puts immense strain on her body and soul. Please, someone needs to take the sword from me. It is ravaging through my mind, trying to force me to obey the Heresiarch. Johnny Appleseed says, "Mm, "'He must have the breastplate of Laban.' "'What's that?' "'Laban was immensely wealthy and not at all stupid. He feared that if he imbued the sword with too much power, it could one day be used against him. So he had a breastplate secretly forged that subjugated the sword's owner to his will as a thrall. Little did Laban suspect that he would be slain in his sleep by his own sword's blade after passing out drunk.' Florence groans, "'It's making me forget who I am.' "'Wait, that's it!' shouts Zena and Eldrick. "'Let's give it to the human cleric who doesn't know his name!' Dungaree Jean balks. "'Who?' Zena looks around to get everyone's attention. "'Our dearly departed Monsieur Lynx dragged me out to the Shade Gap "'to rescue these same rangers that are up here now "'from getting sacrificed to the goblin god Pudu. "'The goblins had also captured a young cleric "'who grew up in a monastery that never told him his real name. "'That's the one they call Clark!' "'Dungaree Jean thinks for a moment.' There is no evidence that he has adopted an alignment that will allow him to hold the sword without becoming evil, but we're out of options. It's worth a shot. Florence's will is giving out. Find him quickly. The sword, it's freezing my heart. Appleseed says, I'll use the gift of prophecy to find him. He closes his eyes for a brief moment and says, I see him among biscuits, seashell-shaped biscuits. Florence crumples to the ground as she urges her will to defy the Heresiarch's commands. The Seabiscuit Workshop, it's right over there, but I'm feeling so weak. I can't walk a single step farther. Johnny Appleseed lifts her up, saying, I can't carry the sword, but I can carry you. Some Wise Game With Johnny Appleseed carrying Florence cradled in his arms and the sword of Laban in her hand, she points the way to the Seashell Biscuit Bakery. Inside, a few naughty rangers and elves have set up a fight club with spectators smoking long-bottom weed and gambling on the outcome of the fights. Clark, formerly known as Brother David, is sprawled out on the flour bag sleeping like a baby, but Lewis is in the ring trading fisticuffs with Officer Bunsey. Officer Bunsey leaps to one side of Lewis, and swivels an arm around his neck, putting Lewis in a chokehold. Lewis does not even gag. Calmly, he plants two feet on the ground, jumps up as high as he can, tilting backwards, and lands flat on Officer Bunsey with a tremendous thud. With his body weight and the force of the fall, the impact knocks the air out of Officer Bunsey's lungs. Cheers go up until suddenly the crowd realizes that the Dean of the League of Nations is standing there, watching them. Guilty looks and shushing hisses ripple through the sea biscuit bakery. Zena rushes over to wake Clark from his sleep and to get the sword of Laban to him before it chills Florence's heart. The groggy young monk looks around bewildered at all the attention. Johnny Appleseed lowers Florence down next to him and asks, Can you take the sword that is strapped to this elf's back? Clark asks, What is it? It is a very evil sword that is about to destroy us all. We want to get rid of it, but none of us can hold it. Please see if you can handle it. Why me? Because you're not a cleric anymore and you're still a good person. Perhaps its evil won't affect you. Not very reassuring. His hand trembles as he reaches for the sword's grip and recoils suddenly when it nips him with its cold evil. No, Clark replies... I can't touch it either. Xena looks around and sees some of the members of the improvised fight club trying to sneak out before they get caught for their breach of military discipline. Suddenly she takes inspiration from the moment and barges into the ring. With a flourish of true showman, she holds up Louis's arm, shouting in her elvish-accented English, Big winner! They all look around, puzzled. Most of all, Louis. Xena grabs his hand and leads Louis to Florence. Then she says to her in Eldrick, He's the one! I know it! Give him the sword! Florence winces and blinks her eyes as if someone were shining a flashlight in her face. Slowly, weakly, she draws the sword of Laban from behind her back and holds it out to Louis. He kneels down on one knee before her to receive his prize. The sword hovers above Louis' outstretched hand. Finally, Louis reaches up and grips it. At that moment, Florence clutches it even more tightly and rips it out of his grasp, growling, "'My precious!' Suddenly, a faint glow of red fills her eyes. Her willpower snaps and the sword takes over. With unearthly vigor, Florence holds up the sword and shouts, "'By the power of Laban, I have the power!' she runs out of the sea biscuit bakery and starts setting her home ablaze with black flame